If you're a fan of history in the Australian wool industry, and to be fair, there's a fair bit of it, you may well have seen this iconic black and white image by Red Sharpless of two hopelessly bogged bullock drays. One overturned with its precious cargo spilling into the mud and a dog forlornly on the track looking back at this hopeless scene as men scratch their heads and no doubt curse about what's happened. Look, it's an image that anyone that's experienced that situation can associate with. Well, the wool in that image is from Clare Station, the image taken not far from the station itself, about 100 kilometres north of Balranald in far southwest New South Wales. And it's from this historic wooden wool shed that today's podcast comes from. Welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast to and for the Australian wool industry. And my name's Marius Cumming. Why are we here? Well, some time ago, Wool Grower Services General Manager Stephen Fain and myself were invited by Mallee Sustainable Farming to tour the Mallee of South Australia, Victoria and far west New South Wales to speak with growers about what AWI does on their behalf and what they wanted from their research, development and marketing body. It was a great eye-opener and a great trip. We have Tim O'Halloran from Mallee Sustainable Farming to thank for inviting us. Tim, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, well, a farmer that's lived in the area, a farmer grazed his son, lived in the area since we first came up to Rosal Park back in the 1880s. And the family bought dirt around the uh, Ivanhoe area, the Barrel area, down around Hamebush area. Yeah, that's what we've done. And we're also here with uh, Ewan War from um, Clare Station, north of Balranald here. Um, Ewan, thank you very much for having us here today no at uh, this magnificent place. No worries at all. Now, I think you were saying you're the fifth yeah, war fifth, generation. Fifth on war this to body. be here, yeah. And we've had a bit of a look around, um, and it's pretty dry at the moment. Things are yeah, not exactly easy out here at the moment. We've had an inch of rain, just got to the inch of the rain for the year now so it's yes yeah, and last year was fairly dry too so that's an inch in over six months so nearly seven months seven months, seven months so yeah yeah is that the driest that you've uh, had it for some years uh 2007 was dry that was the same and 2002 so they yeah it's just just a cycle <laughs> well tell us a little bit about um the shed that we're in it's pretty hard to describe i suppose um for for the listeners but um it's got amazing atmosphere tell us a bit about when it was built and a bit of the history of it it was built in the about the 1870s early 1870s built out of cypress pine as a 64 stand blade shed then it went to machines it had 32 machines and today it's got eight machines in it it's um the biggest shearing they had in here was 220,000, and now it does about 10 to 15,000 a year and it's an amazing place to be it actually feels a little bit like a cathedral i suppose from a religious point of view and um tell us a bit about the history of it because it didn't start off in this location no it was it was about six k's from here um so my great grandfather he, he was didn't like the drink so it was close to a pub on the, out on the main barrel live and road and so he, when he got in charge of the place he got it shifted so they bought the whole shed lock stock and barrel they pulled it all apart and rebuilt it six k's away then he bought the pub got rid of that and say so, and he was, there's only two wars that don't like to drink he was one and the bloke who's in with me in this he's the other one <laughs> he's not quite as savage as him so it's uh yeah it's an amazing bit of history and uh tim um, we we have you to thank for uh inviting us up here to to speak to wool growers uh, across the mallee region in victoria and south australia and then up into um southwest new south wales here um how's life for you on your place 
Yeah, no, it's very tight this year. We've been a bit lucky than you, and like we've had um, 50 odd mil of rain, which is a bit over two mil. That's counting every drop of rain we've had for the whole year. And uh, you yeah, know, it's been a bit tight. But yeah, what I'd like to do is really just thank you fellas for coming out, like you're part of a three state tour by Mallee Sustainable Farmers. And um, we welcome you coming to our land care meeting yesterday because it adds a bit of what we're trying to do with uh, wool in the area. Yeah, we want um, Mallee farmers to understand that they can make some money out of sheep and it doesn't have to be all out of grain. So let's talk a bit about, well, thank you very much for asking us. It's been a great pleasure to, to, to travel around and learn a bit about the, the history of this region. And it is uh, a history that is intertwined with wool very, um, very closely. Um, what is the, the state of the industry out here? Are people looking to, to build numbers? Um, we've seen goats and dorpers. Uh, um, people wanting to get back into merinos. What's the state of uh, things? I, I don't know whether they're wanting to get back, but I think the weather's going to dictate when and how they get back. But once it, once it starts raining again, which it'll do, um, people build up numbers and, yeah, there'll certainly be a lot more sheep in there. And particularly with the price of wool at the moment, that'll, that'll, you know, that'll stabilise it. And Tim, are people feeling optimistic about the industry in general, or um, what's what's the vibe amongst the, um, the well, farmers? Well, last know? year, 2017, we were all sitting around talking down Hamish Hotel one night. How we'd never seen everything good at once. There was sheep price was good, wool price was good, and it was raining, and that was uh, pretty good. And this year, not every those not all those stars are lining up, but. Uh, the wool prices are definitely good. They tell me it's something like 34% better than last year. So our wool checks should be okay. And um, next year the wool checks might be slightly smaller because we could be down on sheep numbers because it's pretty dry. Like We've actually had uh, less rain down our way since 1967. It's actually a tidier year than 1967. So if it gets any tighter than that, that'll set a new record, I think. Yeah, the, the older listeners will certainly remember the significance of 1967. But something we've learnt, um, Stephen Fane and myself driving around, uh, has been the significance of feral pigs in this region. That's something that has taken us by surprise. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, well, that's our latest project. I'm actually on the pig program for our area. It goes from Baronal to Hay. And uh, we, they did some counts of the pigs in the area and, um, two or three years ago, and it was just amazing the amount of pigs that they do know that's existing. We know that they do attack sheep and eat a lot of lambs and all that sort of stuff. So we've started this program to try and do it. Like, and we go out as far as the Bulligal area out there, uh, down as far as Barrenal, all around the national parks and uh, around the Hatfield area and whatever. And about from November, December onwards from this year, we're going to restart the program, about a four, four or five months program to try and get everyone ramped up into doing something about getting rid of their pigs and we've put some exciting new developers with the uh, invention, we'll call it invention of the shuttle which has been cut into a certain shape to allow pigs to get in there and get the free food and you free feed them for probably 10 days or whatever you think's a fair thing and then uh, we'll put 1080 poison into that and do the job but um, it's just one of those things we've got to do something about because as we're coming up here today we saw pigs dead on the side of the road so, uh, geez, years ago you'd never seen that. You see dead roos and dead emus and dead foxes and dead rabbits. But when you're seeing dead pigs in the side of the road, it means there's a fair few around. Well, yeah, I, to give a sense of how big the problem is, we heard some figures yesterday that absolutely staggered us. Tell us a bit about how many pigs are actually being killed in this area. Well, Barry Kelly, uh, the bug man, he comes from South Australia, he's in charge of operation. They've killed uh, 7,200 pigs in the last 12 months. And that's just on the one station, isn't it? No, it's, it's in our area. It's in what we call the Baronald, um, at least gone rural land supply. Uh, but in the LLS area, yeah. yeah. 
and, and going up as far as Bulligal, which is a little bit of the hay area of the LLS, these new terms they call them these days. So it's a pretty fair area. Yeah, we've got a lot, a lot of pigs down around Redbank Weirway and down around Barronald and uh, areas like that, yep. So anywhere where there's water, what do they need to survive? Is it, they're, they're pretty good at the survival and reproduction. Yeah, the pig jobs change. Like we never ever used to see pigs out in areas like this that much as what we are now because years ago, if you wanted to go looking at pigs, you always said, you've got to get in the river country. These days you only have to go to a salt with swamp or even in mallee trees. And then uh, with the introduction of some of the cropping in our area, and uh, in the last 20 or 30 years, everyone's up their uh, water on their places, you know, with the in introduction of polythene pipe and uh, electric pumps, you, know, you can pump water 30, 40, 50 kilometres easy, and I reckon the, the pigs are getting a, a drink easy. They're living in saltwish swamps, uh, spinifex swamps, and you've got a lamb to eat and all, everything else, even little... Even a little bit of green picking that stuff, and it's amazing, amazing how good a condition the pigs are, even when it's dry and air. And yeah, and as we know, they, they reproduce like rabbits, don't they? So the numbers just explode, so it's something that that, uh, that needs a bit of looking at. Other than the obvious uh, at the moment, you and tell us a bit about uh, your operation and what your hopes are for the future of, uh, of your merino operation here. Yeah, we run, um, run just a self replacing flock and just in that 21, 22 micron range uh, and cut, you know, five, six kilos uh, and, do, don't, and do 12 months shearing, not six or eight months. Um, and, it, you know, wool's been a part of Clare forever and a day and it will be forever and a day. You know, it's, there's no reason to get out of it. We do we do run other stock, but, yeah, Reno's, Reno's have been part of it and will stay part of it. And what sort of parts of the operation are you wanting to change and um, what's, what's your hopes for the future in that regard? Parts I want to change, we're changing the, the style of sheep we've got. They've certainly got bigger and, and longer. They're a bit more easy care than they were and they're pretty well rounded merino. So, yeah. And are you wanting to expand the operation or happy with the size it is at the moment? Uh, we ebb and flow a bit when it, when we can. We do expand it, but yeah, seasons permitting or whatever. You know, yeah. So we we do run a bit like that. And what um, I mean, there's a sort of a rule of thumb that my grandfather could raise a family on a thousand sheep, and my father it's five thousand, and for for this generation it's something like ten thousand. How many sheep per labour unit can you run out here? Uh, you can run a fair few if you have to. So, yeah, no, you could run 20,000 if you had to, 20,000 DSCs. Yeah, no worries at all. So how many people do you um, do you employ here and one. how many sheep are you running? One, uh, one full-time. and then But we don't do any landmarking, crutching, you know, that's all contract. Um, and then, yeah, we run, we've got about 8,000 ewes and then run cattle on top of that. Mm. And uh, the cattle go well out here? They run well with the sheep? Uh, when it's when there's feed, they do. <laughs> Not when it's dry. So, and we don't have many cattle at the moment. But yeah, yeah so they're the first thing to go. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, it certainly changed the sheep here. Obviously, we're looking in this lovely old shed here, and uh, the size of the uh, uh, the releasing um, portal. Hole, portal. portal. Uh, not a wool exchange portal, but different type. Um, <laughs> I'm glad someone got that joke. And they're pretty small, so when you when you refurbish the um, re, when you refurbish the shed, you have to make them a lot bigger because the sheep have got bigger over time. Oh, they certainly have, yeah. And the, the portholes now nearly double the size, and the width of the doors for the blokes to walk in and out. They they got bigger as well. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Well, um, guys, thank you very much for uh, for having us here. It's been a, a real pleasure to uh, to come and see you. Um, sorry, it's 
so dry. Surely that will change with time, as uh, yeah. it has over over many years up here. Uh, just getting a better appreciation of uh, the great history and the role that this area has played in the Australian wool industry is uh, it's been great to see, and uh, hopefully some um, some good years ahead. Yeah. Thanks. 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 Bye. That's Ewan War from Clare Station, north of Balranald, and before him, Tim O'Halloran from Mallee Sustainable Farming. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Yarn. It is very much a podcast for the wool industry. If you have any suggestions about uh, something you'd like us to explore or talk about, please send it through to theyarn at wool.com and we'll follow it up. Feel free to leave a review of the podcast as well on iTunes. That's how others find us. But from me, Marius Cumming, thank you very much for your company and we look forward to catching up again soon. 